Welcome to the Hounding Health Podcast, where we try to uncover just what the hell does it mean to be healthy and how do we get there? Like, seriously, you think we could have figured it out by now? Doesn't anyone notice this? I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. With so much conflicting health info out there, the world is in need of heroes more than ever before to help us find our way. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. On this show, we don't just talk about health practices, we put them to the test. Every season, we select a human guinea pig, and with the guidance from various health heroes, we help them reach their health goals, ultimately turning them to a supreme being. Now, broadcasting to the world, here's your host, George Hound. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Hounding Health. I hope we are all doing well today. I am so happy to be presenting to you our next interview with Sarah Pucal, who is an osteopath. But before we go on to the interview, I need to mention our uh, sponsors, because without them, this show would not be possible. Literally, guys, it would be impossible. Today's show is brought to you by Osteoblast. The makers of Osteoblast have made an amazing product that has the ability to go deep within your body to mineralize and actually make your bones grow inside of you. Osteoblast works best with fruit and vegetable intake as well as grains and other plant-derived foods from what they tell me. This effect has been partially attributed to osteoblast interacting with the polyphenols found in these healthy foods that ultimately together can decrease the risk of major chronic diseases including osteoporosis. It's kind of nice. If you think you are at risk of having osteoporosis, then talk to your doctor about osteoblast today. My friends, my friends, Today, I am going to be interviewing Sarah Pucal, who is an osteopath in the Scarborough, uh, Ontario region. She is such a sweet individual, and she literally personifies what it is to be a health hero. You clearly, when you hear her speak and when you see her, can see that she definitely cares about not even just her patients, but everybody. She's such a sweet person. Uh, I had a pleasure interviewing her. <clears throat> And she was vital in me coming back from that uh, car accident when I was hit by a car. So without any further uh, wasting of time, let's go to this very awesome interview that I had with Sarah. Hey everybody, this is George from Hounding Health. I am here with Sarah, who is an osteopath. Sarah, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, George. How are you doing? I'm doing phenomenal. Thank you for asking. Um, I like to start every show by kind of explaining to people how the health hero, such as yourself, came into my life. Okay. Is it okay if I tell a of little course. story? Of course. Please do. So uh, we're going back now to like 2006 when I was in pro wrestling and I remember um, I was dropped on my head from the top rope during a wrestling match. And my neck compressed. I think my C6 and my C7 vertebrae oh, through an MRI were shown to be kind of fused laterally. Yes. So I couldn't feel my pinky and my uh, second to last finger yeah. for like a year. 
went to doctors. I remember going to a neurologist and the neurologist was like, not only can you not wrestle, but don't go to the gym anymore. You're, you're done. Like this, your spine's in bad shape. And it was an osteopath in Montreal who not only got my fingers back to normal, but I just felt amazing after going to her. And at the time I was a graduate student of sciences and, you know, I, I was looking at what she was doing, barely pressing in my body. And I'm like, what you're doing is like non-legit. I don't understand how you're having such a huge impact on my life. Yes. But I looked at it more closely recently and I'm like, yeah, osteopath is pretty, uh, pretty phenomenal. And long story short, I moved to Toronto, didn't know an osteopath, but I had a client that I felt could benefit from it. And I kind of told him, like, you should really go out there and find yourself an osteopath. And if you find yourself a good one, you let me know who, who you're going to. So one of my clients went to you. And when she told me that you had the magic fingers, I remember describing my old osteopath like that. So I'm like, I got to go see Sarah. And Sarah, I've already seen you a couple of times. And you've already worked some pretty yes. you know, awesome stuff on me. Like, I feel really better with my leg and my digestive system. Or at least I did before this experiment. So that's how I came to find you. Wonderful. Well, it's been a pleasure working with you, and we'll keep working together. Totally. I think I need you more than ever. Get you back into health. Yes. So we just did a session. I just did a session now with Sarah, and uh, I was telling her I feel broken right now after the mm-hmm. six-month hounding health experiment. How did you find my body, like, when you were compared to before? So when I first saw George, uh, the first time I saw you, there was a lot going on, and we decided we're going to go through the different layers and see how we can get you back to health yes. and feeling better. Right. I just want you to feel better so you can live the quality of life you want to live. Awesome. Um, anyway, when my last session I saw you, we kind of left it as you're doing great, you're feeling great, call me when you need me. Yes. So here we are, possibly <laughs> a year later, yeah. I believe. Yeah, give or take a few months. Yep. Totally, yeah. Um, and George today, uh, he needs some osteopathic treatment. And it's more just mechanics of your body are off. So, meaning that there's a little bit of twists and turns happening in your spine that don't need to be there, a little bit of tension through the muscles, and we did kind of talk about that your digestion is way off again, your elimination, so just kind of taking out those tension pulls through the spine that can change the nerves going out and the signal that happens yes actually we're gonna get definitely get okay. into my stuff like okay. my personal stuff and i want to make it interesting going and, too far no, and i love it you're ahead of the game sarah <laughs> uh what i wanted to ask you first is can you define what osteopathy is for people that are not sure of, of what your practice entails so the best way to define it is that we are a body mechanic so i am here to help you feel better so we want to improve overall health and function right so the job as the osteopath is to find health, not disease. Okay. So that means that anywhere that doesn't move as well as it should, that means you're not getting proper blood flow or nerve supply. So we're going to make sure we let that happen. So the big thing is gentle manipulation, getting joints, muscles, everything moving a little bit better. And by everything, I mean the layers of the body. So we have your fascial layer, which is under the skin, which covers the muscles. Underneath that, we go into the ligamentous bony layer. And then from that, we kind of get more into nerve artery veins, lymphatics, and organs, of course. And what kind of education is required for this? Is this a university education? So I have my bachelor's in science. Yes. And then after that, I went to a four-year program. Right. Uh, It was full-time. And 
we did, uh, luckily we had a student clinic, so we did 10,000 hours in student clinic. I believe it came to about 2,500 hours in the classroom overall. So we spent at least four to six hours every day in the classroom working on each other. Yeah. We had um, students from other years come in and basically tell us what was happening with them and try to problem solve, figure out why are they having that headache? Why are they having that left arm numbness? Right. You know, just why do they not feel good? So you intimately got to know the body very yes. well by practicing and also getting yes. an education through that four-year program. It's a long time, especially after a bachelor's. Kudos to you. Yes, thank you, George. A long <laughs> haul. You must be like, I'm so eager to finally get out of school. So happy. <laughs> um, tell me a little bit about the history of uh, osteopathy. Uh, how did that start? Because it's, it's a relatively new practice. Um, Relatively, I guess it's not as you know, not as ancient as like. I yeah, guess. so I would say probably to kind of the everyday folks, it definitely feels like a newer, up and coming uh, alternative medicine. Yes. Um, but the founder, Doctor A. T. Still, he started osteopathy back in the 1800s, and he was a medical doctor. And um, you know, long story short, uh, medicine failed him when his wife and children passed away. Um, from meningitis that could not be saved using medicine. Right. So he started looking for alternate ways to heal the body, realizing that yes, drugs can be helpful, but there has to be more. Uh-huh. Like, there has to be more than just pumping someone with medication. So how did he do that? How did he... So, yeah, so kind of interesting enough, he did dig up, unfortunately, some Indian bones. Hey, Leonardo da Vinci... He dug up some bodies too to kind of get us where we are today with the anatomy. So exactly. So it's, it's you know, it's what you did at the time and it's how we've got to where we are today. Yes. So we do not do that anymore, oh, thankfully. Correct. Oh, we do have cadavers. And like, That's, like, yes. That's you know, consent. Like people Yes, consent. consent. Yeah. Exactly. Big part of it. Yes. Um, so he, Dr. Still, learned he would actually walk around with bones in his pocket. Wow. And he would start palpating them, meaning he would feel the ridges in them. He would feel the curves of the bone to feel, okay, where is there a dent that a muscle might be attaching? Where is there a little bit of um, a hole or we say a foramina where there would be a nerve or an artery coming through that? So kind of to supply the head of the thigh bone, the femur. Um, And learning his anatomy that way and seeing how these bones move together. Um, And then it kind of happened by chance that people would come to him or he'd find someone on the street that wasn't breathing very good or they got kicked by a horse and you know, he would realize, oh, you can't breathe because your rib is out of place or, um, you know, your arm is out of its socket. Why don't we put that back in and see how you feel? So it really was trial and error and problem solving. Right. And then he realized if he understood the anatomy, he can fix the body. Wow. That's pretty incredible. Yeah. So um, our big kind of saying in osteopathy is find it, fix it, and leave it alone. Yeah, so we do believe the body can self-heal, self-regulate. Right. So that's the big thing in osteopathy, which I feel like I'm jumping ahead again. But when I get you to come in, I want to get you to that point where you, I don't need to see you every week. We do maybe three to five treatments. We get you to that point where your body and your health can take over. Yes. And we do more of a maintenance or we start to spread out treatment. Um, to the point where we leave you alone until you need us to kind of come in and just fix and realign to get health back on track. Cool. Mm -hmm. How is the osteopathy field seen by, well, I I already know the 
the answer to this, but I, I want you to say by, uh, you know, doctors and the more the, orth- the more orthodox or allopathic mm-hmm. medical uh, community, are they open to it all stuff with you at this point? Or do you still feel like there's a little bit of friction still? Because, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm already answering this question, but there's been friction for like over 100 years, yes. right? So how is that today? So I would say it's definitely different in Canada and the U.S. Only because when you go to school in the States, when you apply for medical school, you either apply to be um, a doctor of osteopathy or a medical doctor. Wow. So the schooling is very similar, except in an osteopathic degree, you're going to have those extra hours of hands-on work where you learn the body. This is in the U.S. Okay. So in Canada, we um, have nothing to do with medicine. I'm not a doctor. Mm. I'm an osteopathic manual practitioner. So I would say there's a bit more um, pull-away drawback from the medical community for an osteopath at this point in Canada, um, a manual osteopath, just because it's not understood what we're doing and because in their minds we haven't gone to quote-unquote medical school. Right. You know, we don't have that same education as them. But is it the same education, in your opinion, one osteopath versus the other, Canadian versus American, or does it differ quite Um, So the biggest difference is that they do a lot more pharmacology. So they do a lot more drugs and how the drugs work together. Right. Um, we do a lot more hands-on work. So our right. big thing is if we understand the anatomy and the physiology, we can be safe. Correct. Our big thing is safety. Um, and then the rest of that is you can't help anyone if you don't know how to feel tissues, how to tell which layer of the body needs treatment. So that's why we spend so many hours of hands-on work. Awesome. So I would say um, it's very cool to see that we are getting um, more acceptance by the medical community. Um, but again, I would say it depends who you talk to. Um, some clients of mine, you know, the doctor and I are going back and forth and, um, you know, how is his knee feeling today? Okay, let's get an x-ray. Can you send that x-ray report to yes. me? Um, whereas other, um, you know, other healthcare practitioners, other doctors um, still kind of were not on their radar. They right. don't know what an osteopath is and... You know, some care to learn and others just, you know, they're busy. They don't have time to kind of understand another profession at this point. I think you're, you're being overly nice. On <laughs> very good, very good. I, you know, but I, I, I'm not afraid to say I think the ego sometimes gets the best of certain professionals in all fields, not just doctors. Yes, 100%. Uh, you know, why wouldn't you want to collaborate with somebody else? And, you know, you guys are definitely going to share different point of views, but it might just make you an even better practitioner or that collaboration that you're saying that you're having with the doctor. That's yes. a beautiful thing. Yes. Right? You, you don't have access to x-rays. No. They do. You guys share that information. Work together, yeah. It's just awesome. And it's great to hear that he is encouraging, you know, his client to come in for treatment. Yeah. You know, keep him updated. You know, and I, I did ask him to, you know, make sure your doctor's okay for us to continue because right. he is worried about your knee. But I also think if we don't keep that hip moving, that knee's going to get worse. Right. And the doctor understands that and they agree that, you know, we're doing different things here. Yes. You know, I'm working on the manual side of treatment, the mechanics. You know, you're working on the physiology and we work on physiology as well, right. but indirectly, of course. Right. Maybe they're working more on like the rehabilitation in a more static Yes. point for the body whereas yeah. you're providing more of that movement and adjustment um, in the body okay I have two questions for you actually now based on what we just spoke uh, about the first one 
is how important, or maybe describe to me why it's so important that the body does move. Like what, what's going on there where people are benefiting from that? So um, I'm going to use an example, but Please. if you have a kink in your garden hose, what happens? It gets clogged up or... And you're not having the water go through. Exactly. Yeah. Or the pressure decreases, you know, the flow is a lot less. It's not going to get the job done you need it to do. Yes. Exact same principle. So, um, you know, if there's a really tight muscle that's starting to pull on bones and change how those bones are sitting in the joint. So if your rib cage is an opening and closing with the breath, but maybe it's a little bit stuck, yes. you're not going to get that same pressure change with every breath. You're not going to get, you know, the cells oxygenated with fresh air um, to circulate through the body and it's blood flow. Totally. If you don't have a good functioning neck, how is your brain getting proper blood? 100%. Not saying it's still getting blood, but not good, optimal. clean, optimal. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, to even add to that, the cere cerebral spinal fluid in the mm -hmm. body that nurtures your yes. spinal cord, your vertebrae, I guess, in your brain. Yes. It doesn't have like a pump to circulate it other than your movement, your breathing. Exactly. And your abdominal core all create that pump, if I'm not mistaken. Correct. So if you look at the anatomy, um, you can see the respiratory diaphragm um, and there's quite a few other diaphragms in the body, but basically these connect directly to the vertebrae. Right. So every time these muscles move, they're pulling that body into extension. So closing the vertebrae, you release the breath, everything kind of curls back yes. in, almost creating that slinky bend forward cool. and back yeah. to create that natural pump motion, that functioning of the spine. Yeah, and you yes. can imagine how important that is for our, just our daily function, brain-wise, neuron-wise and all that. And I think, yeah, even the lymphatic system doesn't have a pump. It's based on movement of the body. So if you're sedentary, That's correct. you know, you're affecting your immune system at that point and also your detoxifying capabilities. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Oh, for sure. And most people can probably relate it. They've been sitting a long time and they can start to feel their feet are getting stiff and right. maybe a little bit swollen or just a little bit, you know, your feet grow at the end of the day. Well, you've been standing straight up against gravity. So gravity's pulling everything down. Yes. So if you're not moving to kind of push that pump back up, you know, inflammation can occur. Movement is key. Movement is key. <laughs> Uh, my second question was, and this one's a little bit more of like a silly question, but I think it's still important to address, is what's the difference between an osteopath and uh, a massage therapist in terms of technique and what each individual is kind of looking at? Yes. Uh, so I would say the professions are complementary. Awesome. Um, you know, I think, again, it's all about your health, the client, the patient's health. So I... I want to work with other practitioners. I want to make sure you're getting the best care, best care you need, no matter what that is. Right. Um, so the biggest difference is that um, we're taught to go, osteopaths are taught to go through the layers. Uh, whereas massage therapists, um, I would say it's a bit more surface level as in um, working more on tension through the muscles, which is very much needed and kind of releasing that fascia. Gotcha. Um, and then if I do have a client that exceeds massage before they come see me, then I know I can almost get right to the bony tissue. Mm. So right into the mechanics. So I know that the muscles have been released and everything's kind of let go of. That's interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So a massage therapist kind of works more on the surface and you guys can do a little bit more of that visceral or bone manipulation. Exactly. A bit what kind of conditions are you equipped to kind of handle? Like what, what do you normally work on as far as clients uh, goes? Mm -hmm. Um, 
Or what kind of clients can you see? Like what can people see you for? Yeah, so the big thing I would say is usually people come into my office. Um, either they've tried every other, you know, alternative and allopathic medicine and they're just not feeling better or you know they get to point a but they can't seem to get over that hump yes and they kind of end up going back to ground zero and it could be you know a digestive issue where they've seen you know the doctor and they've tested their microbiome and done all this different stuff but things still you know after they end their medication they're kind of going back to ground zero yes. um so a big thing is i find we're either last resort um, and a lot of the time people just are like, I didn't even know you existed right. or I've never even heard of you. Yes. Um, so that's a big one. Uh, MSK issues, meaning musculoskeletal. Um, you know, so we get a lot of, you know, my neck hurts, my shoulders hurt. Um, you know, I get my computer clients that just have that tight upper back from sitting all day, right. um, you know, from any injury, sport injuries or other. Um, and then sleep is actually a big one that I find people realize after they've been coming, um, that, go back to normal or? uh, yes. Or they, you know, once I meet them and, you know, we have a little discussion and I'm like, Oh, so you're not sleeping. So if you're not sleeping, your body's not healing. Yes. So I know you came for a, you know, a right shoulder issue that's giving you migraines because it's pulling on your neck and your head hurts. So we're going to release your pain, but we also need you to sleep or that shoulder is never going to get better. Correct. So again, it's all about, you know, the big vagus nerve sitting under the head or in the mm -hmm. OA joint. Um, so if you're at home, that just sits right kind of under the back of your occiput, back of the head. Um, it's a big controller for our nervous system that does rest and digest. So making sure that joint is moving and that big nerve has kind of free flow to go through the body is key right. to, to key to health. Okay, Key Vegas nerve, guys. Make Vegas sure, nerve. Make sure Vegas is healthy. <laughs> uh, so how'd you get into it? How did uh, osteopathy come into your life? Um, so I grew up needing um, alternative health. I was very athletic as a child and out through high school. I did cheerleading, so lots of falls on the head. Yeah. And um, so pretty early on, I actually started seeing a chiropractor. Okay. Um, my mom took me. She had been going since she moved to Toronto back when she was 20. Um, and uh, friends of mine actually introduced me to an osteopath quite a few years later when I was looking for what to do after my bachelor's degree. Okay. I knew I wanted to work with the body. I knew I wanted to help people, but I didn't know where, where I fit in, yes. what was my niche. And I looked at medical school, nursing school, naturopathic, um, respiratory therapist. Like I, I spent about a year and a half looking at so many different options and just, not feeling a hundred percent that that was my path. Yeah. Um, so I was about to apply to chiropractic college when a girlfriend said, you need to go see this osteopath before you make this life altering decision. Um, and one treatment I was sold Wow. kind of as your experience, just the gentle touch and really gentle manipulation. And the fact that I could immediately feel the change in my body and even more so a few days after to a week to two weeks after Incredible. I started investigating the osteopathic schools and, um, really asked a lot of questions and asked how they compared, you know, to the other alternative medicines. And, um, luckily the school was so great at it answering those questions and just showing me what where osteopathy can take me and that I can fulfill my dream of helping people and just really learning more about the body mm -hmm. and honestly never being bored of my profession. 
You know, Sarah, that's what makes you a health hero. You know, like uh, I keep using that term, but for me, a health hero is somebody who loves what they do and through that love yeah. is actually passing on that healing and helping other people. And I think that's exactly what you're doing. Yeah, you can honestly you. see it and feel it whenever I talk to you. And yeah. Like, even when, you know, forget this podcast, but when I have the sessions with you, like you really nurture somebody the whole time. Like you bring them into the room, you make sure everybody's comfortable. And we and you can really tell how engaged you are in your practice. So like I, I commend you for that. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, thank you, George. You're welcome. Yeah. With osteopathy, it's been around now since the 1800s. And there's a philosophical question that I have, not just with your practice, but I, I, I always wonder about this, even with like the way I go about exercise or when I talk to other people that do things like you mentioned before, like a chiropractor. Mm-hmm. These things have not existed for thousands of years. Yeah. You know, maybe they did, maybe in another shape or form, they used to do this like in Egyptian time and yeah. what have you. But my question is, do we need these health modalities of helping others, these you know, health heroes such as yourself today because of something that we're doing wrong as a society? Or did we always require, like was an osteopath of some type required to do like that body work? You know, maybe exercise trainers, therapists always existed. You know, they were trained the monks and the monks needed it in order to fix certain problems. Or did our natural movement that we use back in like the nomadic days or early sedentary days where we really work with the body kind of not require us to to require all this help from these, you know, external people that would have fixed the body. Like, what's your thought on that? So it's multi-layered. Yeah, totally. Um, I think a big reason for our problems, whether they are mechanical, um, meaning in the body, or if they are kind of mental, um, you know, mind, body, spirit, is stress. Stress. You know, I think a lot of our problems, a lot of the tightness, a lot of the pain, Mm -hmm. you know, the upset stomach, the difficulty digestion, the constipation, it's stress. Yeah, you know, and I there is you know I see it for myself that when I check someone's body, they're you know they come and their shoulders are back and yes. their neck stuck up this, and when they leave, we can see the physical change. But again, I see them again in two, three to four weeks, and we kind of have to unwind them again. So why do they keep getting wound up? Which I think is your question. Yeah. Or you know, did we it always is. have this? Yeah. Um, I think it was always needed to a degree and that degree meaning, you know, um, as farmers, as laborers to eat, to feed, to build homes, there was always physical activity happening. There could always been accidents, you know, where you drop the plywood on your chest or, you know, unfortunately the baby got dropped and, you know, now the baby's head isn't, you know, the baby needs help. Yes. That, you know, the spine needs to be a little bit readjusted so the baby can stop crying and feel better or, you know, the worker can breathe again properly and take that deep diaphragmatic breath. Cool. So I think osteopathy um, was discovered when it was needed most. Hmm. I think it's here to stay. I would agree with that. Um, and did they have something like this, you know, way back when? Like nomadic times, right? When they were cavemen, like how did... Because they went through some brutal shit, sort of. They did. 
I honestly want to say they did yeah. in a different way. Right. I think, you know, they, they might have been like, hey, like my shoulder hurts. Can you can you just fix that shoulder for yes. me? You know, so it didn't really have a term. It was more just a way of life. My arm my arm feels weak. Can you can you figure out why? And they're like, Oh, that feels uneven. Why don't we push that in and see yeah. what happens? It might have been more intuitive. It might have been something that, you know I think it was just to get through life. Yeah. Right? Well, I will say there's certain meridian points that energy healers or acupuncturists mm -hmm. will say we gravitate to instinctively. Like when we have a headache, we mm -hmm. kind of put our hands on our temple, yes. but there's a meridian point right there. And if you ask certain uh, acupuncture or meridian specialists, they'll say our body, if you're really in tune with it and you listen to it, mm -hmm. will do what it requires in order to help itself. So I find, you know, maybe now we've gotten to the point where we're so out of tune with our body that yeah. we require the tuners such as yourself to kind of come in and, and do that work for us. Yeah, it's interesting you say that because um, as I'm developing through my practice, I've come to a point where I obviously I'm always thinking about my, my client and what they need and the anatomy, but I also let my intuition take over it and mm -hmm. let my hands do the work. Yes. Like I just, I let my, my hands tell me where to go. And a lot of the time, you know, my clients look at me and be like, how did you know that was bothering me? I didn't tell you. Wow. And you know, and I'm just like, well, it's, I don't know. I'm here. Yeah. <laughs> my hands found it. We're going to fix it. Yes. Um, it's interesting you say that because I'll, you know, after a few sessions, I do find people become a lot more body aware. As I say, how often do you cross your legs in the day? I always get, oh, I don't cross my legs. They come back the next day and they go, I'm so sorry I lied to you. Well, I cross my legs every day, but I never, we're just, we lost our body awareness. 100%. And again, life happens. We're all very busy. You know, it's work, life. Yeah. And stress, like you said. Stressed, right? So I had a major wake-up call like in mm -hmm. 2009. I think I mentioned to you already, I had a huge anxiety attack. And previous to that, I was heavy into like the pro wrestling. Okay. I was doing a biochemistry degree, yeah. working full-time. And I somehow I somehow convinced myself that I was Im immortal, uh, unbreakable. Okay. Right? But I was doing some pretty crazy things to my body at that point yeah. in time. And stress was like, if I look at it now, yeah. it wasn't really really high up there um and then i got hit with that anxiety and for like a year year and a half i was out of pro wrestling out of school not working nearly as much and my body almost forced me to kind of learn to reconnect with it yeah. you know that the anxiety was almost a lesson for me but why i'm kind of bringing this up is because now i could truly appreciate when stress tends to get higher up in my life and it might not just be like oh stress i gotta pay the bills it might be like, well, I'm eating really, really bad and I'm stressing my digestive tract or my daughter is keeping me up at night. I'm not getting the recuperation that I need through sleep. Again, that's another form of stress. And I think probably a thousand years ago or even further back, we were probably more in tune and had a lot, a lot less of those stressors around. So we were more in tune with being able to kind of detect, oh yeah, I'm tired, maybe I should just sleep. But today we've kind of throwing that out the window because there's so much different stress variables. It's really, it's, it's crazy. It's a crazy world. It's, you know, and they always kind of say, and I think most people would agree, technology is a blessing and a curse. Yeah. You know, in this day and, or this day we're here and, you know, we have all these distractions and we crawl into bed, right? Yeah. There's so many devices around us, so many things to check on, so much happening in the world we can stay up to date with, totally. which is amazing. You know, we're more global than ever at this point. But again, when you go to bed, 
you know, again, like you said, thousand years ago, even more, like, you know, when the sun went down at seven, eight o'clock, everyone went to bed, we, they all woke up together at six, seven a.m. and you started your day yes. and everyone had their full eight hours sleep. Everyone got rested. There were, you know, your, your biggest stress was that the sun's going to be up soon and we have to go to bed. Yeah. Like there's work to be had. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, it's so interesting. You know, the, uh, you, you know, the whole yin and yang philosophy and, uh, remind me of that. Well, the yin in uh, Chinese medicine Mm -hmm. is the nurturing, the low energy, the low stress aspect of the the yin and yang symbol and the yin, which is associated with the female or the woman. Okay. Uh, nurturing obviously. And the yang is more fire, gets stuff done, high stress. And the body kind of works in that way too. I guess you, yes. you already know this. Like you have the sympathetic nervous system. It's the nervous system that encourages things to get done. Yes. It slows down digestion because we're in a little bit more of a high alert stress state. It's yes. what turns on when a lion pops yes. up in the jungle. If you happen to be in front of it, you got to run or you got to fight. Excuse me. Bless you. Bless you. Thank you. Um, and then the parasympathetic nervous system is more like the nurturing of yourself. Like when you're sleeping, you take care of yourself. When you're digesting food, you can't be running around. You can't do both. No. Um, and then I think right now, kind of like you mentioned with technology, we're simultaneously trying to do both. And the body doesn't work that way. You can't be watching TV, uh, you know, stimulated by like this action movie and at the same time trying to eat your dinner. Like, yeah, your body will probably pull it off a little bit to make sure that you survive, but to have a fully enjoyable and digestive meal you kind of need to be paying attention to what you're eating chewing slowly 100 uh, percent. And, and then like we just the more you go down this rabbit hole like like yeah we're trying to go to sleep yet we have like our cell phones on and our tv on and the wi-fi next to our, us and like lights coming on from like, the big cities that we're living in we just didn't evolve to be living this way so we truly have a problem right now in that our yin and yang our parasympathetic and sympathetic nervous system is haywire for for lack of a better word um and it's funny you bring that up um when i get clients coming in that say i don't feel like myself a lot of the time it comes back to the yin and yang or you know in my terms it would be sympathetic parasympathetic nervous system so your autonomic nervous system has your two two layers to it and they need to be balanced Mm -hmm. if one is heightened oftentimes the other one's going to be heightened as well to try and keep up to that balance right so it's very interesting, and I know in acupuncture, um, when I see my acupuncturist, she's always like, you're yin and yang, you're, you know, you're not balanced, not balanced. Yeah. So it's funny how no matter what profession you go to, there's still this big underlying principle of balance. balance. We need balance in the body, balance oh. in the mind. Yeah, and I yeah. find that, you know, um, a lot of people are unbalanced, and they do it probably because they think they need to sacrifice themselves in order to like, you know, maybe they're doing it for their family or maybe they've been conditioned through, you know, uh, their childhood to like work hard. You gotta, gotta keep pushing. You gotta succeed. And, uh, and I find that as a society, we're really suffering from that right now because when you look at it, oh man, I want to go down another route right now, but you know what? Let's do it, Sarah. I think you'll appreciate (laughs) this. You know that, have you heard of the uh, different philosophies amongst the chakra development? Yes. So, root chakra, chakra one is all about being grounded, survival, being in that, you know, surviving in this environment. Yes. And a lot of times that's associated with like when we were nomadic, hunting and gathering. 
And then when we got better at doing that, we felt a little bit more comfortable amongst our tribe. So we started getting a little bit more in tune with our emotions. So it's like, we're, we're no longer worried about dying at every turn. We're, now we want to kind of make sure I'm with the person that I love. Uh, I'm feeling taken care of by my family. Maybe I'm expressing myself creatively. And we kind of went through that and we became more sedentary. And we seem to be stuck now in stage number three. And stage number three is that willpower. It's like, get through it. Get it done, yes. succeed, study. So true. You know, but for chakra, which if you ask a philosopher like Ken Wilber, mm-hmm. says the next step in human evolution is love. So if we can get past this third chakra mentality of everyone trying just to hustle and get things done, it's more about after figuring out, well, what's best for everybody? How can I love everyone around me and make sure I'm not hurting others, hurting the planet? and being more in resonance with everything. And I feel like maybe we're pushing it to such an extreme with this willpower, stress, what have you, that we're gonna see the wrong doing in our ways for ourselves and for everybody around us. And hopefully we can make that little jump to like yes. what that chakra four evolution would be. Yeah. You heard of that philosophy? I haven't. Okay, cool. It's very interesting yes. though. Makes a lot of sense. I hope. Um, it's funny because I could definitely t- you know, think of people that I feel like have made it to chakra four, like who've made it to that love stage. And you can, you know, the aura, um, I don't know if everyone would relate with this, but you, when you meet someone, they have an aura about them. They have an energy. Um, you know, and some people can feel it. Some people don't. I'm someone where I know when I meet someone within the first two seconds, if we're going to be friends, if we're going to see eye to eye or at least eye to eye enough to have great conversation and to respect each other's opinions. Um, yeah, I felt that way about you when I first met you. (laughs) Uh, yeah, it's just a feeling you get when you're around somebody's presence. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. So the love chakra, do you think we'll get there? I think we have to. Yeah. How yeah. long do you think it will take, though? That's a good question. You know, some will it be our lifetime? Uh, yeah, I think it has. To, so I think it has to be, or okay. else we're not going to make it. You know, if you're looking mm-hmm. around at how we're abusing the planet, polluting, people don't believe in like, uh, you know, the, the temperature of the earth rising. Whether you do or not, you could just look around and see that overall we. We don't seem to be happier with all this technology. No. You know, our very capitalistic approach to the world right now is just like make money, sell. It's very aggressive. And I feel there is a movement, you know, like you have more of the Green Party kind of excelling in politics and yes. people caring about the planet. And you have more people. I don't know, I'm noticing there's more uh, health gurus or love gurus or people going around and trying to help the masses more than ever. Like, I'm talking about like Tony Robbins and Joe Dispenza who's helping people with meditation and like Paul Check, one of my mentors, is going around and educating people on how to heal themselves. Like yes. I feel like they're everywhere. Now with social media, like it's almost annoying. It's like, oh, another person trying to sell what they got. But but it's kind of cool too, because like they're all selling, like, let's just all be free of whatever's trapping us. Yes. And it's... that's that's kind of love. And we are, if like you said, if you look on social media and you know maybe talk to your friends around or your relatives, we're all trying to find health. Yeah. We might be doing it a different way, but we're all trying to get to that point where we feel better. Totally. You know, and I'm hounding health. Yes, hounding <laughs> health. Exactly. You know, hounding health. Like health to me means you feel good. You feel happy. Yes. You know, like you said, you feel loved. Right. Because when you don't feel good about yourself. You know, it's so true. How is someone else going to feel good about you? Totally. Or, again, the this is getting down a whole other rabbit Do hole. It. I but love it. This is what I love. 
just um you know the the kind of back to the uh, mental side of things you know if you don't feel good about your body um you know and you kind of get down this rabbit hole of you know kind of like a hypochondriac if you will where you yeah. just start you know every little symptom starts coming up and you start feeling worse and worse yes. um which they do warn you about when you go kind of through school oh, I... you start reading these textbooks and you learn about these diseases and everything that can happen to the body and how like dangerous everything is and yes. you're like you have to remind yourself i'm fine totally like i'm making up these symptoms i'm currently having yes. because i'm learning about them well you know Right now, there's research being done by Joe Dispenza, yeah, and he's going around the world and practicing meditation with groups of people, but they're taking measurements of their uh, blood samples to measure epigenetic levels. Nice. And they've come to the conclusion, your body will go in the state of expressing the genes that yeah. you've convinced that body requires. Yes. So if you think you're in danger or if you think some sort of negative thing is happening in your life, even though it hasn't happened yet, let's say you're stressed about some impending bankruptcy or losing your child, your body is going to express the genes associated with that feeling. Yes. Right? But he goes, if you put yourself in a state of gratitude, like let's say you're looking to heal your body. Let's say you've, you have a condition and you're like, I want to fix this. Or take a, maybe you want to be financially secure. If you start meditating on that, pretending like you have it and just in the joy of that then it's not far to it's not far-fetched to believe you're going to express those genes associated with that reality so you're going to already physiologically be at that goal before that goal even happens which means boy according to him inevitably you'll go there like it's a far it's a far stretch maybe with like the financial security although i'm starting to believe it more and more because I've been actually practicing with this, but uh, with the physical body, you know, if you're, let's say you're suffering, I don't want to get in trouble and say anything crazy like cancer. What's the disease? Of? Digestive issues, right? If you say to yourself, man, you know, my digestive issues are gone. I feel great. I'm, I'm feeling like a million dollars, blah, blah, blah. Then your body's going to start expressing genes that are ultimately going to be there because you're feeling better and yes. happy. And I think that kind of comes back to this mindful movement that we're currently in yes. um, and manifestation. Like, yeah, huge. You know, the big, um, my favorite meditation is the love and kindness one 100%. where you send love into the world or you bring love to your body and, you know, different parts of you because, you know, a big problem is I hate my hip. My hip doesn't work. Yeah. Your hip's always going to hurt if that's the way you talk to your body, if that's the way you do it. And of course, you know, coming for treatment, you're going to leave being like, well, my hip's so much better. Or are you just looking at your hip a different way? Right. You know, and again, there's so much debate you can get into, oh, right? Yes. And it's, you know, it's hard. Um, uh, I forget who I was having this conversation with. It might have been you, sorry. Uh, just regarding the biomechanics. So there are, you know, there is, you know, we can evidently show you that, you know, your hips are off and we can put them back. But again, there's a whole other side to that, Yeah, you know, where you can keep your body in that healthy state by believing in your health yes. and just putting it out there that you're going to be healthy and you're going to think better and move better. It's kind of funny. You just said that there's more people out there kind of putting that, uh, how did you word it? Their manifestation. Manifestation mm -hmm. of love. We're already going to that fourth chakra right yes. there, right? It's, it's all so about true. Love. Yeah, and it's really, it is rapid. There's a lot of groups out there that really want to keep doing this and are recruiting 
not in an evil way or like we're recruiting people, but just like just sharing their love and more people seem to be jumping in and saying like, I kind of want this love too. Yes. Oh, yeah. for sure. And I, it's interesting that I feel like we're kind of going a little bit back to kind of the seventies, the hippie years yes. where it's kind of like, you know, peace, love, yes. you know, like we're not here to fight. We're here to work together. Yeah. You know, we can have a good discussion about it, but it shouldn't, you know, shouldn't end in a brawl. It shouldn't end in negativity, which is, so nice to see it is you know and i don't i think we still have a long way to go globally but i mean if you can do that with your friends and family if you can show love in your community it's just going to take us to that fourth place yeah and just change the way we live well we're right in the middle of like this coronavirus uh, <laughs> pandemic right and i'm trying to see it in a positive light and uh, what i kind of take from it is despite all this craziness that's going on right now and the fear and people stocking up on toilet paper because we're going to run out of uh, uh, shit tickets. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm looking at it and then I'm looking at it and I'm almost like it, it's really, you know, it touches me because 500 years ago, we might have said only the strongest will survive. If there's a virus going on or if a war is happening, if mm -hmm. you're weak, you're going to die. That's just it. Yeah. But it's kind of cool right now. If you're strong, you're not really worried about the coronavirus, but we're almost you know, getting together, not as a country, not even as a, like a continent, as a, as a planet. And we're saying we need to stop this virus that might not be a threat to the majority of the population, but there's certain people that are vulnerable to it. Let's keep them safe, guys, and let's take protective measures of like quarantining ourselves to make sure it doesn't spread. Yeah. It's like, so we're looking out for like everybody. Yes. Like that's the positive that I'm taking out of this. So I've talked about this with my family and we're saying it's a good reality check. Yeah. It's a good reminder to everyone that, you know, the reason we eradicate all these diseases um, back in the early 1900s was because we've learned about cleanliness and sanitation and getting on top of that. Yeah. So, you know, I think as a society, um, I don't think necessarily in the health field, but in general, we've definitely lost our, we stopped being clean. Yeah. To, I think so. How many people do you see, like, go to the bathroom and don't wash their hands That's after? True. Or, we're taking it for granted. You know, they're on the subway and they start picking their fingernails, and it's like, how many door handles I've have heard, you touched? I've seen people clip their nails oh, or, stop. on the subway. Come on. I've seen that, and I'm like, what? Please. How, how do you get away with that? Oh, my goodness. So, but, yeah. people are going to come together, and we're going to remind each other that sanitation is important. Yes. You know, Caring for those that aren't as well is very important. And just being more open, being more open when you don't feel well, being more open, you know, if you've traveled to a different country and yeah. just disclosure, right? Like disclosing symptoms and changes in your health instead of kind of trying to keep it to yourself and, you know, still going to work when you're sick and be like, oh, no one knows I'm sick. Well, right. The willpower, right? Get over that willpower. Yes. You Have know. Have some love for yourself and everybody exactly. else. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Sorry, I already you are sorry, you already answered this kind of, but it was mm -hmm. a little bit short. But okay. the show is called Hounding Health. Mm -hmm. And at, at this point I've already bored everybody by re explaining what it is. But there is a question I'd like to ask everybody, and that is what is the definition of health to you? So I knew you were gonna ask yes. this based on your prior episodes I've watched. Um and the first thing that came to mind kind of when I asked myself, what are you going to say to George? Yeah. Was to me, health is mind, body, spirit. Mm -hmm. So health to me is that I feel good. 
and I can do the things I love to do. So I feel like that definition is going to be different for everybody. Yeah. Um, but it's being able to function at my best. So being able to come into work every day and feel feel good and not get stuck in my own head if I don't feel well when I'm treating my clients, um, when I'm providing my service. And also to spend your weekends doing what you want to do, how you want to live your life, if that's active, if that's sedentary. So just to feel good. Yeah. Feel good in my mind and my body. To feel happy, to feel love, because I do, you know. It's funny how everything just comes back, but it, it, yeah, you know, if you if you're not happy, you probably don't feel love, or you are missing that aspect. So, what is it? Are you not happy because you don't feel good? Are you not happy because you're in pain? Right. So, health is so encompassing, right? And there's so many directions and avenues of health. Totally. Good answer. Yeah. Thank I you. Like it. Can you tell me something about my health based on what you saw on that table before during my treatment or even now maybe you picked up on something you're like oh, okay now I've connected like can you tell me something that maybe I don't know or maybe that I should know or you know because this is counting my health for season one yes. what do you think is going on yes um so it's when I was treating you I was starting to ask you about your digestion yes um there was uh quite a big muscular pull going down the right side of your spine mm-hmm. um so I was thinking about the ribs in that area how you're breathing and as well kind of under that upper right quadrant of the body uh, under the rib cage we have the liver um, so we don't diagnose an osteopathy, but just thinking kind of mechanical processes and physiological processes. If there's any type of pull happening through that area, it's going to go all the way through the body. Right. So it's going to affect how your joints move, how the visceral moves, organs. Um, so my big thing I noticed was there's this kind of big block going down the right side of your spine. So why is that there? Are you somehow overusing that right side? Or maybe you're using that left side quite a bit, carrying Penelope on yeah, the right maybe side. Yeah, the right side. Yeah. Okay. I, gotta start, I try to put it on both sides, but maybe I have to be more conscious. Yeah. So, and almost to, to me, I would ask you um, if you came back on my table and you looked the exact same way I saw you the first time. My next question would be, why are you? Is there something you're doing where you're always sitting to the right? Yes. So right now in this interview, you're definitely angling your body to the left, which yes. is interesting. I'm doing it for the camera. Yes. Okay. So yeah. So you know, when someone always presents to me the same way, um, yes. I'm gonna ask what you're doing or uh, your sacrum or your butt bone had a little bit of a twist in it or a little bit of a rotation. We like to say, and all that meant that was that the, you know, the tissues were pulling more on one side than the other. Um, so if you present the same way again, because yes. we had that cleared at the end of treatment, everything looked good. You looked in a lot better alignment. You know, my question will be, well, what are you doing on the daily? Are you crossing your legs every day? Are you always sitting with this kind of twist in your lower pelvis because your computer's over here, but you don't like to turn your body that way because you want to reach for that coffee? You know, yes. like what is the reason? Being aware of your everyday tendencies. Exactly. Right? Yeah, that's that's great advice. Yeah. Um, I have a question now more for my own uh, professional experience. Okay. My own, maybe you can help me with my uh, own clients. Do you notice that people tend to be tight more on the right side of the body, the left side of the body, or it's pretty much evenly distributed? Uh, I would say all over the place. Isn't that, so there hasn't been a one side that's more dominant than the other. 
correct. Okay. Like sometimes I'll see a really great compensation pattern, meaning like you might have um, your left shoulder might be elevated and then that right hip is elevated to create that kind of compensation through the body. Yes. Um, whereas other times it will be the entire right side where they come in being like my right ankle hurts, my right hip hurts, my right shoulder hurts. Mm. And you can see, you know, maybe they're not using that left side enough, but you can see there's just this huge fascial pull down that side. Right. Um, so we often see the body kind of you know compensation so in a crisscross where you know if it's your left knee then it will go up to the right hip and across and make this zigzag through the body but depending what people do every day they present differently why why i was going and why i was asking that question is there's a philosophy uh that i came across where there's a belief among some practitioners that when you have a yang-oriented situation going on, a yang problem in your body where you're mm -hmm. pushing too hard or just acting too aggressive, it tends to express itself on one side of the body, whereas a yin problem where you're maybe not not moving or maybe you're not, um, or maybe you're you know you're overly sedentary or overly eating, which requires more digestion, that tends to go on another side of the body. That's why I was asking just in case you're able to kind of yeah, so pick up on that. It's interesting you mentioned that because there are clients where we see a good change in treatment, but they tend to continue to present the same way. Yeah. Um, or even if they present a little bit differently, but it's always on that side of the body. And, you know, we've we've changed the way they're working. Like, they're much more body aware. Everything's been, you know, corrected, if you will. Yes. Then we need to start getting into, okay, what's emotionally affecting you there you know is there a female or a male entity in your life that's causing you stress right. and it is interesting to see um that you know they're like oh well actually you know i always like is it kind of going to digestion or even just going to stress in the life where you can kind of find that relation to that yin or yang side that yes. female male side um yeah. Yeah, very cool. Yeah, I don't want to get too much into that. Um, you know, it's not in the scope of osteopathy, but yes. just my own practice and just dealing with, you know, clients day to day basis. Maybe we'll have another podcast on yeah. that another time. <laughs> that sounds great. Sarah, tell us where we where we can find you, uh, where can people reach out to you if they want your services? Do you want to share that with people? Yes, of course. Uh, so you can follow me on Instagram at SMT Osteopath. Uh, you can follow me on my website, smtosteopath.ca. I am located in Scarborough on the east side of Toronto. So feel free to reach out to me um, on social media or you can go onto my website to get my contact information. Thank you very much, sir. And I'll Thank make you, sure George. to put this up on the, the page on Hounding Health where it's just going to be a page dedicated to our podcast today. Wonderful. Uh, thank you very much for your time. Thank you for your treatment. And just so you guys know, I will be doing more treatments with Sarah. So I'll be keeping you guys up to date through my blog and telling you my updates as to how I'm feeling. Uh, I think she's going to be an imperative part, uh, not just in my digestive uh, stuff, but also in my physical stuff because I want to get back to doing parkour and I feel like my skeleton needs some help from Sarah. We could, we could do a little work on you. <laughs> yeah, I think we really will. All right, Sarah, thank you very much thank once you, again. Thank you, George. Have a good Take one. Take care. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Hounding Health Podcast. Be sure to subscribe and join us next week as we interview other health heroes. Be sure to check out our YouTube channel where you can see George put health practices to the test every week. If you'd like to learn more about how Hounding Health could help you uncover your path to true health and make you a supreme being, go to houndinghealth.com.